I hope you're starting to see this incredible truth that according to the gospel, you cannot become a better Christian. And according to the gospel, you can't get any more holy because you are already holy. And according to the gospel, you can't get any more perfect because the perfection of Jesus' life was passed to you on the cross. The sermon that you're about to hear is from Pastor Paul Borman at Hope Lutheran Church, located in Tigard, Oregon. For more information and for more content, go to hopeintigard.com. The text that we're going to be diving into today comes from Galatians chapter 3, verses 1 through 9. I'll read these words of Paul writing to his church in Galatia. He writes, You foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? Before your very eyes, Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed as crucified. I would like to learn just one thing from you. Did you receive the Spirit by observing the law? or by believing what you heard? Are you so foolish? After beginning with the Spirit, are you now trying to attain your goal by human effort? Have you suffered so much for nothing if it really was for nothing? Does God give you His Spirit and work miracles among you because you observe the law or because you believe what you heard? Consider Abraham. He believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness. Understand, then, that those who believe are children of Abraham. The scripture foresaw that God would justify the Gentiles by faith and announced the gospel in advance to Abraham. All nations will be blessed through you. So those who have faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. This is God's word. You know, there is an article that I read a while back that totally rocked my little pastoral world. (laughs) It was an article that, that detailed a study that had been done by a major church body within its own churches. The study revealed that 85% of the members of that whole church body either A, weren't sure they were going to heaven, or B, they were sure that they were going to heaven, but they were sure because of something that they had done. You know, they had been church president, or they had taught in the Sunday school, or they had played music, or they had tithed generously. 85% of people, and that's 85% of people who are inside the church, right? To to, to think of it a different way, that's 85% of people inside the church who don't understand the gospel. It rocked my world. 85% of people within the church do not understand what Christ is for. 85% of people associate Christianity with something other than Christ. 
And I'm going to dive right in here and give you my thesis as to why that is. It's that most of the world thinks of Christianity as being just a set of rules that you got to follow in order to be a Christian. You think of Christianity as being a way of acting or a way of being. And this thesis has, has, a, has study behind it too. I did a little bit of that study this week. I googled just how to be a good Christian. And, and you, you put that into Google and one of the top results is a WikiHow article with pictures on how to be a good Christian. There's a step-by-step process on that WikiHow article on how to be a good Christian. Here's number one. Number one is that you have to allow faith to lead you to better obedience. It's number one on the list of how to be a good Christian. Number two, be a faithful witness for your faith. Number three, find community with other Christians. It took until number seven for this list to even mention repentance and forgiveness. First of all, you have a step-by-step process of how to be a good Christian. And you notice commonalities in those steps, those first three steps. What did you notice? They all have to do with what you have to do or what you have to be in order to be a Christian. Now, don't get me wrong on this. Acting like a Christian and being a Christian is a really good thing. As a pastor, I love it when the people of this church act like people of Christ. And and God loves it when his children act like his children. But also, hear me well when I say this. That there is nothing more dangerous to a church. There is nothing more dangerous to a Christian, to a soul, than believing that Christ came to earth only to teach us how to be Christians. There is nothing more dangerous than that. And yet 85% of Christians believe this way. It's killing us. And if these statistics and this research is shocking you like it did with me, I'm glad I'm bringing it up this morning, and I'm glad I'm bringing up this text, too. Because this this writing of Paul to his church in Galatia, it reveals that none of this is new. This is a, a battle for the heart of Christianity, and it's not new. Paul understood this battle. And he lived it. And he knew that that this battle wasn't a battle for the church. It was a battle for the heart of Christianity. It was a battle for individual souls. It It was a question about whether people are going to rest their souls on Jesus or whether they're going to rest their souls on something else. Paul knew that it would kill his people. And so he went to war. And he, he picked up his favorite 
weapon. And, and as you read more and more of the Apostle Paul, he wrote a big chunk of the New Testament. You'll find out that the favorite weapon of Paul was straight up confrontation. And that's why he begins this chapter 3 of his letter in the way that he does. He does not go easy on the Galatians. He says, you foolish Galatians who has bewitched you. Before your eyes, Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed as crucified. Yeah, it's, it's kind of jarring, right? It's, it's super jarring the way that Paul goes after these people. And if you're sitting in your chair wondering about why is Paul being so aggressive here, that's a good question. It's important to understand why Paul is speaking in this way. You know, to illustrate this, I want to bring up a story of what the Dove Company did a few years ago. See, they understood the same thing that Paul understood about confrontation. And they understood the same thing that Paul understood about what it takes to change somebody's deeply rooted belief. Um, The Dove Company had done their own set of research, and they had found that 96% of women don't think they're beautiful. 96% of women are looking at themselves in the mirror and are only seeing flaws. That's only 4% of women who see see themselves as beautiful. And Dove wanted to go to war against that deeply rooted belief inside of women. And so they went to war. And they confronted that deeply rooted belief. They didn't go out, and they didn't go out with with nicely worded sentences that says, you really are beautiful, you need to know that. What they did is they hired a police sketch artist. One One of those people whose job it is to be at the police precinct to take witnesses and take a physical description of a person and put it down on paper so that other people can see They hired a police sketch artist. They put that person behind a curtain and they had women come in and sit on the other side of the curtain to describe themselves to the police sketch artist. And the women invariably described themselves with their deeply furrowed foreheads and their crow's feet and and their sunken eyes and their pouchy cheeks and their thin lips. And and the police sketch artist drew everything that they told that. These women told him. And then each woman had somebody else who had spoken to them earlier in the day. They had that person come in and describe that same woman to the police sketch artist. And the artist drew that portrait as well. And then at the end of the day, the original women were confronted and placed in front of both of the portraits side by side. They were confronted with the truth about the way that they see themselves and the ways that other people see them. And they got it. See, they understood now something about a deeply rooted belief that they had deep inside of them. 
Sometimes it takes that confrontation to confront something that's killing you really, really deep inside. That's why Paul went to war. That's why he was so aggressive. That's why he calls the Galatians foolish and bewitched. And by the way, he chose his words really carefully here. He wasn't just casting around in his mind for the most offensive thing that he could think to say. He was casting around in his mind for the most effective and accurate word. He chose the word foolish. It's a biblical word that has biblical history behind it. A person who is a fool is someone who is not using their God-given mind. They are not using what God has given them to perceive a God-given reality that is in front of them. And that was so apt of Paul to choose that word because that's exactly what was happening in the Galatian congregation. They were not perceiving the reality of the situation. See, everyone inside that church was so encouraged about what was happening. They were pursuing after more and more righteousness. They were trying to get closer and closer to what God would have from them, but it was killing them. People had come into the church and they were powerful and they were persuasive to such a point that they even persuaded Peter the apostle Peter, Jesus' disciple, they persuaded him to believe what they were saying. And what they were saying was this. Jesus is awesome. That's what they said. Jesus is awesome. We love Jesus. Jesus is powerful. Jesus is saving. And he's so great that if you follow all of the Old Testament rules, Jesus will save you in return. And it sounds so good, right? It sounded so good to that Galatian congregation. It sounded so nice they were able to contribute something and bring something to their God so that their God would save them. It's a deeply ingrained belief system that we must get our righteousness from the things that we do. We have to be something. We have to do something in order to be a Christian. It's an ancient thought process. It's strong. It's durable. It's hopeful. And it's killing us. People have always thought this. People have always thought that they got to do something, they got to win something in order to be loved by God. Ever since the very beginning, people have believed this. That's why every human religion has some sort of sacrifice that you got to bring to God in order to appease Him. That's why religions require us to meditate in order to become at peace with ourselves, to master ourselves so that we can get closer to being on a level playing field with God. That's why humanity today is still so attracted to a religion that will give us a step-by-step process to get closer to God. Everyone has this natural core belief that we got to make ourselves righteous. 
and it's killing us. And I know it might be really hard to hear that you have that in you, you know, as a Christian. It's so deeply ingrained into our human nature. I want to illustrate what it looks like that, that this thought of trying to get our own righteousness, trying to get close to God by ourselves, I want to illustrate what it looks like when that is killing us. Not too long ago, I was sitting with a young dad. And the dad was struggling. I sat with him for a couple hours one day, and, and he told me about issue after issue that he was finding in, with his children. And, and he told me after each issue about all of the effort that he was putting in in order to be a good dad for his kids. And after each, each time that he told me about all the effort that he went through, he'd look at me and pause for a second before going on to the next issue. And, and it was clear that he didn't want me to respond or, or give him anything in return. I just sat and I, and I listened for a long time. And as I sat and as I listened, I, I was thinking to myself, what's going on here? Why, why does this dad, why did he come to me? Why is he just spewing and, and pouring out all these things on, onto my heart? And then it clicked. The light bulb went on that there's something a lot more foundational and fundamental going on here. This young dad hadn't come to me in order to go back and forth about parenting techniques and the young dad, he hadn't come to me so that I could open the Bible with him as a pastor and show him what the Bible says about parenting. This young dad had come to me for validation. So that after he, after he would tell me all of the things that he's doing to be a good dad, so that I would tell him, you are being a good dad. You're a good man. Keep going with what you're doing. You're such, doing such a great job. That's what he had come to me for. But I knew that's not what he needed, and so I gave him something completely different. I asked him this question. Do you think you're a good dad? And he didn't answer. He stopped. And he cried. Do you know what he needed a lot more than anything else? He needed the gospel. He needed someone to confront him with the gospel, to confront him with questions just like Paul did with the Galatian church. He needed someone to help him see the implications of the gospel for his life. And that's why I asked him a follow-up question. I asked him, what do you think that it means that Jesus came for you? 
You see, this, this young dad, he did not need me to give him parenting advice. I don't think anybody needs that from me. And he didn't come to me to, to get platitudes about how he's doing such a good job and he's trying so hard. What he needed to hear from me is the gospel. He needed to hear from me that your righteousness cannot come from yourself. It only comes from God. That's why I asked him that follow-up question. What do you think it means that Jesus came for you? You know how I know that he needed that? It's because when I asked him that follow-up question, he stopped. And he thought. And he believed. You see, this is the great task and the great joy of the Christian church to take people further into the heart of the gospel. We have to work so hard at that as a church. You know, most churches are so good at presenting Jesus and the gospel to people, but once people become Christians and the whole Christian church becomes about how to become a better Christian, and that's not what the church is about. I'm going to say this again because it's so important for us to learn. The church is not about taking you beyond the gospel. The church is about taking you further into the gospel, further into the heart of God. And Paul is the master of this. When the Galatians were off trying to hunt for more righteousness in themselves, Paul said, no, I will not let you hunt. Your righteousness comes from God. If you're looking for more and more righteousness, I'll tell you where to find it. It comes from God. And he illustrated that through Abraham. He said, Abraham believed God. And that belief was credited to Abraham as righteousness. You see, Christianity is so simple at its heart. We are sinful. We need righteousness to be with God. And righteousness, do you know where it comes from? It comes from God. It does not come from ourselves. It is a free gift of God that is received through faith. That's what Paul was saying about Abraham, that Abraham believed God and his belief, his faith, was credited to him, to his heart, as righteousness. As the pure, perfect, holy righteousness of God. And I hope that's coming home in your heart today. I hope you're understanding the implications of that gospel for your life. I hope you're starting to see this incredible truth that according to the gospel, you cannot become a better Christian. And according to the gospel, you can't get any more holy Because you are already holy. 
And according to the gospel, you can't get any more perfect because the perfection of Jesus' life was passed to you on the cross. See, as Christians, we understand that what happened on the cross was an exchange. What happened is that our sinfulness was passed to Jesus and his righteousness was passed to us. And that's why I can say to you that you are perfect in the eyes of God. You are holy. You are righteous because of the faith that you have in Jesus as your Savior. Maybe that matters to you today. Maybe that informs you. Maybe it thrills you. Maybe it helps you to see that in Christ you have a forgiveness and a holiness that is real. Maybe it shows you that you can go to God's throne and that God will see you clothed in the righteousness of Jesus, his son. Understand this today. Your righteousness comes to you through nothing other than You are saved through faith in Christ Jesus.